times I wonder what we're going to say or how we're going to remember this time because literally there is no precedent for it and probably it won't probably it won't be repeated again one would hope at least but I wonder you know what we would what would we, how would we remember this what would we report to the people in our lives 10 years from now, 15 years from now, when the great pandemic, coronavirus pandemic hit us? I, I'm not real sure. I am not real sure. I think it's worth our, our thought and consideration, at least for uh, today. Uh, so before I get started, let me explain and uh, identify where we are and who I am. I'm Dr. Ray Mitch, your host for the Love You Later Bye podcast, Psych Monologues. I am a professor of psychology in, at Colorado Christian University. And uh, my attempt in putting a podcast like this together is to spend some time reflecting on life as we know it and some other uh, hopefully useful uh, reflections about that. I have uh, said that uh, the motivation for doing this is to pass along some uh, thoughts and reflections for many of the seniors who are suffering from uh, not really having an end to this chapter in their lives. It seems like it is uh, fading into the word work without any reasonable level of celebration or punctuation or anything like that. So I thought I would put this together just to pass along some final thoughts for them to take with them uh, as such as it is. So um, that's uh, that. That's the podcast. Today is uh, April 23rd, uh, 2020. It is day 37 of the lockdown, although we have some measure of end in sight uh, from so many governors in a variety of states that are talking about various phases of reopening the economy and reopening our ability to move about and interact with one another and things like that. So um, there are a couple things I want to try to accomplish tonight. I, I know I mentioned last night um, as I was talking about this and I wanted to talk a little bit about the journey and the nature of it. I got off on uh, a fairly long uh, tangent and uh, off-ramp in talking about perspective. Um, but I want to I wanna spend a little time looking at um, what are we going to get out of this uh, thing? And then I will also uh, spend a little time talking about our hearts and what we do with our heart in the midst of uh, the mundaneness of the sameness of our days and it always seems like it's the same. But the biggest question I think I have and I've heard people pose is that, you know, while we know that God doesn't waste suffering, he doesn't waste uh, pain in our lives, trying to make sense of it now is a little tough to do. And most of, of the people that I've talked to, including myself at various points in time, is just getting through the day, getting the things done that I have to get done and, and uh, doing what needs to be done, 
without really thinking about what tomorrow is going to bring, which the curse of tomorrow will be the sameness of tomorrow rather than the variety. And I think in in a lot of cases, um, we thrive on the uh, um variedness of, if that's even a word, but the variedness of our our existence from day to day. There are things that happen in each day that make it stand out, that make it different, uh, and actually capture and and, uh, catch our attention uh, to remember things in our days that go along with it. But what what am I going to get out of this? What am I going to do with this other than just survival? And the challenge in answering that question is, how much time am I going to spend in each given day to reflect on what that day has been like? One of the things that I spent a lot of time championing, championing, is that a word, uh, is the idea of journaling. And the, the interesting thing about the word journal is that the root of that is the same word as diurnal, which has to do with daily. And ultimately, we cannot record or get recorded in our heads, otherwise known as encoding, without some reflection and without some, um, uh, what do I want to say, uh, uh, recording of that. And so how do we take what it is and, and what we're going through, look back on it, with some measure of perspective, because of course now we have some uh, being a little bit uh, of time away from the day before, and have some measure of reflection on that. Because either we can take the imposed uh, solitude we're in and resent it and fight against it and Uh, resist it in whatever way we can or comply with it in whatever way we can um, and and then keep moving or we can say what what is it about this solitude that has revealed something about myself that maybe I haven't spent a lot of time thinking about or talking about at all and that really is the nature of solitude you know when you we look at scripture Jesus made a very significant intentional point to separate himself from his disciples and from ministry was solitude. And it was during those times that he connected with his father and he, and I would say, I would suggest that he actually connected back up with who, who he was, where he was, what his purpose and mission was, all of those things. But if we continue to put the pedal to the metal and run at breakneck speed, there is very little time to reflect, very little time to to capitalize on the solitude we have and to ask more meaning-based questions. And and one of the things I, I, I was just spending some time talking about tonight with um, a group of guys that I meet with is that our solitude has a way of asking the kind of questions that we wouldn't normally ask ourselves in everyday life. Like, who am I without the, the activities I engage in? Whether that's ministry or teaching or the work that I do or the people I interact with, but who am I separate 
from those things? And in some cases, that answer is a little eerily uncomfortable because we tend to move toward defining ourselves in terms of what we do, what we own, how much money we have, and the future, uh, the future that we're going to forge for ourselves. But what about the nature of who we are and where we are? And, and that, I think, is where the key lies in capitalizing on and even leveraging where we are and what we're uh, experiencing in the midst of a pandemic, something that has never happened in human history. And, and like I said before, hopefully it won't happen again, but here we are, and what are we going to do with it rather than just survive, but rather thrive in the solitude that we have. So where do we go from here, and how do we go from here? One of the things that I think is part of the answer to that question is the nature of the human heart, at least defined in Scripture, and I, I, it, that is a subject that I spend a fair amount of time talking about in my classes. And the human heart here is not the organ that beats in the middle of my chest. Well, it's not exactly the middle, but close. It, it is the center and seat of all of my desires and hopes and dreams and will and uh, choices and everything else that goes along with it. And it was that seat, if you will, that Jesus said, out of it comes the things that we should be really threatened by, not the things that we put our, into our bodies. And so the heart is the basis of everything, which leads me into the larger point uh, for many of my seniors when I talk about the future and what they will do to take care of their heart. Because the reality is, is when you graduate, when they graduate, the one thing that is constant that you will take with you that will not change, hopefully it would change, but that you take with you that's the constant is your heart. Your knowledge will change in time. Our, our understanding of the world around us, at least in psychology, continues to change. Our expertise our experiences. There's a lot about our lives that change, but the one thing that stays the same is our heart and what we're going to do with it. Now, on that note, let me let me just read you something. Uh, I know this is uh, dangerous because here we are on a podcast that um, is based in words, and I run the risk of of losing you when when I read this. But I think this. Uh, story is really worth considering when we're talking about our hearts and what we do with them, whether that's in the midst of the solitude that we're experiencing as a result of this pandemic, and, and even in the midst of other people. I, I've heard more people that I can count anymore say that um, even when I'm with a lot of people, I feel alone. And if that's the case, then we're, we need to consider what's going on in our hearts, even when we, when we are with other people. So here's the story. It gives you the background of, as, to, as to where it came from. 
and it it operates on two different levels, um, which is the the beauty of a story like this is is it is not only at the level of the facts of the story, but it is also not speaking about the primary subject of the story, and. It goes this way. It's called The Keeper of the Spring. Keeper of the Spring is a story that the late Peter Marshall loved to tell. He was an eloquent speaker and for several years served as the chaplain of the U.S. Senate. The story is a tale of a quiet forest dweller who lived high above an Austrian village along the eastern slope of the Alps. The old gentleman had been hired many years earlier by a young town councilman to clear away the debris from the pools of water up in the mountain crevices that fed the lovely spring flowing through their town. With faithful, silent regularity, he patrolled the hills, removed the leaves and branches, and wiped away the silt that would otherwise have choked and contaminated the fresh flow of water. The village soon became a popular attraction for vacationers. Graceful swans floated along the crystal clear spring. The mill wheels of various businesses located near the water turned day and night. Farmlands were naturally irrigated and the view from the restaurants was picturesque beyond description. Years passed. One evening, the town council met for its semi-annual meeting. As they reviewed the budget, one man's eye caught the salary figure being paid, the obscure keeper of the spring. Said the keeper of the purse, Who is the old man? Why do we keep him on year after year? No one ever sees him. For all we know, the strange ranger of the hills is doing us no good. He isn't necessary any longer. By unanimous vote, they dispensed with the old man's services. For several weeks, nothing changed. By early autumn, the trees began to shed their leaves. Small branches snapped off and fell into the pools, hindering the rushing flow of sparkling water. One afternoon, someone noticed a slight yellowish-brown tint in the spring. A few days later, the water was much darker. Within another week, a slimy film covered, covered the sections of the water along the banks, and a foul odor was soon detected. The mill wheels moved more slowly. Some finally ground to a halt. Swans left, as did the t- tourists. Clammy fingers of disease and sickness reached deeply into the village. Quickly, the embarrassed council called a special meeting. Realizing their gross error in judgment, they rehired the old keeper of the spring. And within a few weeks, the veritable river of life began to clear up. The wheels started to turn, and new life returned to the hamlet in the Alps. Let me end with one thing that uh, drives this point home. The writer of Proverbs writes, Above all else, 
guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Where does this all fit together, would be my question. And it fits together because whether you're a graduating senior heading off, as I've said before, into the wild blue yonder, or whether it's a matter of us facing ourselves in the solitude, it is still our hearts we face. And guarding our hearts and learning how to do that well is the basis of life, not only in our own lives and not only in our relationship with God, but with our relationship with each other and and with other people. See, it's a wellspring of life because it overflows into other people's lives, but it takes some effort. And as this story makes clear, it's about the keeper of the well that matters as much as it is the people who benefit from it. You are the keeper of the well. What are you doing to care for your own heart tonight? And what are you doing that in the midst of your solitude to explore and wander the landscape of your heart to see what needs care, to see what needs tending, to see what needs flourishing, even more flourishing than it is at this point in time. And that's the basis of what I want to convey, at least today, as we're talking about not only the journey, but what you do with your heart and the impact that it has, whether in solitude or whether it's in the context of friendships and relationships that at some level I think we're all longing to experience. Thanks for joining me tonight for Love You Later Bye podcast. I'm Dr. Ray Mitch, your host. I will be here tomorrow night, same time, same place, and waiting for your return as well. Have a good evening. Until next time.